Good morning, Forest family. Indeed, it is a privilege and an honor to be with you once again this week. To all of our guests and visitors, welcome. We thank you for uh, worshiping with us this morning. We pray that the Lord would just minister to your heart in a special, special way. And as we prepare to celebrate Memorial Day, a, a time where as a nation we collectively pause to remember those who have given their lives in active military service, uh, recognizing uh, and understanding that though we enjoy freedom, freedom is not free. There are those who stand in the gap, who have went to battle, who have given the ultimate sacrifice of their lives that we may enjoy freedom. But when I think about Memorial Day, that someone gave their life that I may enjoy freedom, it, 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 it points me not just to Memorial Day in America, but it points me to a greater a greater hero, a greater sacrifice that in Jesus Christ, him giving his life on my behalf, he sacrificed his life. He gave his very best in order that not only that I would be free, but that I may have him in the fullness thereof. To enjoy life eternal with Jesus. What awesome hero we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, we'll be looking at verses 15 through 18, but specifically verses 15 and 16. And with the end of the school year and increasing temperatures, Summer is in full swing. And for the next few months, uh, I, I encourage you to take advantage of the, of, of the weather. But take advantage also of the opportunities that this time of the year provides. Uh, for many, summer provides the opportunity for additional free time to enjoy yourself. Uh, schedules open up a little bit this, this time of the year. And as they do, let me encourage you to use this time wisely. Because as we will see in the text before us this morning, guess what? God cares about what you do with your time. And he points us to use our time wisely. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, beginning with verse 15. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I'd just like to place a tag on this text for us this morning. Don't waste your summer. Don't waste your summer. Each year before summer vacation begins for the students, I usually pause and, and take some time to cover with them how they can use their time wisely for the summer and not be wasteful. But I believe this is a message that we all can learn from, how we can use time wisely and not be wasteful. Let us go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for the tremendous privilege it is to come before your awesome throne of grace one more time. Father, today was not promised. It was not due us. We did not earn it. But yet in your infinite mercy and grace, you saw fit to gently wake us up this morning, allowing the breath of life to still be with us in our lungs, to allow our minds to be uh, in their right function in order that we could comprehend just what was going on. We were able to dress ourselves. We were able to cook breakfast. We were able to get in our vehicles and, and to drive to your house of worship one more time. Father, may we never, ever become so sophisticated that we take these small pleasures for granted. 
the opportunity to gather, to lift you up and to magnify your name, to declare, oh, how I love Jesus. Father, may we never take it for granted the fact that our lips can even speak the name of Jesus in this place this morning. It is only because of your mercy that we can come. So, Father, thank you for we are unworthy creatures. But yet, because of the blood of Jesus, we stand before you right and worthy because of Christ. So, Father, we ask that as we stand here, we beg that you would come, send forth your spirit to make much of Jesus and to uh, transform our hearts, humbling us, reminding us just how much you want us to use our time well. Father, every facet of life, every area of our ongoings, you are concerned about and you care about. Father, this morning, help us to be mindful that you have called us to glorify you in all things. May we just not glorify you with our lips, but may we glorify you with our lives. Father, have mercy upon us. Forgive us for our sin. Draw us near that we may hear from you this morning. May you please give us eyes to see and ears to hear. For the one that is right on the brink of life, may you draw them near. Give them life by the power of your spirit. For the one who is running away from you, Lord, I pray that you will grab them, lay hold of their hearts, and turn them back to you. Even now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, there's an expression that goes, waste not, want not. And what that means is if you learn how to use your resources carefully, then generally you won't run out. You will always be full and you will never be in need. Well, I'm not quite sure how well we do with that in this country. It seems that in this country, whatever we have an abundance of, we tend to be frivolous with it and waste it. You know, compared to other countries, we have a whole lot in America. We may not have everything we, we want, but we have a lot of stuff. And when you have a whole lot of stuff, it seems like you don't care about it like you should. It's like the spoiled child who never has to work for anything. They get their toys, they tear them up, they get food, they get rid of it. If, if, they, if they have never been placed in a position where they see that, I need this, maybe I should take care of it, then there's a tendency for us to be wasteful. Think about our food consumption. Did you know it is estimated that Americans waste about 40% of our food. Since the 1970s, food waste in the U.S. has increased by 50%. These statistics by a consumer agency. And they, they go on to say that Americans' families throw away 25% of the food they purchase, costing them an estimated $1,350 to $2,275 a year. Y'all better start eating your leftovers and cleaning those plates. There's a whole lot of waste going on. But you know what? As wasteful as we are with food, I believe we are even more wasteful when it comes to our time. Just think about how much time you waste. And when I say waste, I'm speaking of the purposeless, unproductive, foolish, unbeneficial use of time. 
Spending time on, on things which lack an ultimate goal. Instead of doing X, you do Y. So, for, an, for example, instead of finishing your homework that's due tomorrow or finishing your chores, you turn on the Xbox or Netflix and play all night. Wasting of your time. Instead of completing that paperwork that's been sitting on your desk, you surf the internet for the entire afternoon. Wasting your company's time. Or how about this? Instead of defining the relationship, you keep it open and uncommitted and not serious dating the same person for years, wasting their time. See, when there is no aim to your actions, no destination, you are probably wasting time. See, don't hear what I'm not saying either. You can play the Xbox and watch Netflix and have it not be inherently sinful, But guess what? They can be. They can be very sinful when we pour our time that that God has freely given to us and waste it on frivolous, useless, purposeless things. If, If you don't watch yourself, that scrolling that started off as five minutes, you look up, it's been an hour. All of a sudden, that hour turns to two hours, and that two hours turns to three hours, and you look at yourself, oh, where has the time gone? Maybe I should hurry up. You have wasted your time. Beloved, every moment of your life does not need to be planned, but every moment of your life should have a purpose. I believe this because God does. In 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, The 31st verse, God tells us, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Well, what is he saying? He's saying even in the menial things, the the small things of life, not just the big stuff, in the smallest things of life, we are to have a mindset that I want to be glorifying God even even as I sit down for a bite to eat. Something as simple as brushing my teeth washing my face. I I, I need to be mindful of everything I'm doing, no matter how big and how small, because in that act, there is a potential to glorify God or to glorify myself. And we will always be tempted to glorify ourselves, to do what we want because of sin. So in God giving us the very purpose, we have been created to glorify God. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. So if that's the purpose and if that's the goal, then God is showing us he cares about how we spend our time. As the Christian is going through life, there there should be in the back of our minds, how does what I'm doing right now bring glory to God? No matter where you are, no matter what I'm doing, you you should be able to to think back for a moment. Uh, Is what I'm doing right now bringing glory to God or is it bringing glory to myself? And if it is bringing glory to God, then you are making a great use of your time. But if you are only bringing glory to yourself, then you are wasting time. In a world of ever-increasing Distractions. Followers of Jesus must intentionally make good use of the time God has given them because each day is an opportunity to bring glory to God. This is the heart of the text that is before us this morning. The result of a spirit-filled life is to make wise use of my time because God cares about how you use your time. 
This morning is very, very practical, but very useful. Because God wants to use our time in order to grow us in a specific way. And we have to understand that God's purposes are for our good and his glory. The context of this passage, in chapters 1 through 3, Paul is laying out this argument. And in, in chapters 1 through 3, he starts and, and, and talks about how even before the foundation of the world that God had created you for him. And that in Christ, we have all, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And, in chapter 2, he goes on to talk about even when you were dead in your trespasses and sin, it, it is God who is, who is making you alive. You were dead, following the course of this world, following the prince of the powers of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We were pursuing the world hard. We wasn't just going about it. We were going hard after the world. But then in chapter 3, he begins to, to show us, but this mystery of what Jesus has done how is it that Gentiles can now come to Jesus? And, and the mystery is because of the work and life of Jesus Christ. So in chapters 1 through 3 of the book of Ephesians, Paul is laying out this argument of who you are in Christ. This is who you are. This is how God has made you. This is why you're special. But then in chapters 4 through 5, he goes on to say, because of who you are. Now walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Because this is who you are in Christ, now live this way. Because he has he called you before the foundation of the world, now be like this. Because of what he has done on Calvary's cross, you can walk like this. Because of who he is, this is who you are. And the believer's identity is firmly wrapped up in Christ. Not because of your gifts, not your talents, not how sweet you are. Our identity is not because of what we bring to the table. It's because of the table that's been set and he's allowing us to dine from. That's our identity. So in chapter 5, he is walking through this argument. And part of living a life that's worthy of the calling, he says, make good use of your time. Isn't that amazing? In all aspects of your life, Christ is concerned. In verse 15, he says this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We'll stop right there. And in this first phrase, he says, look carefully then how you walk. What is Paul talking about? All throughout Ephesians, he uses the word walk as a metaphor for your life. So when he says, look carefully how you walk, he says, be careful how you live. Pay attention. So it's not, well, I, you know, I'm walking like this, trying not to stumble over stuff, but yet it is, I'm paying attention to, I am paying attention to my life in order that I will not stumble and fall into sin and not live out my identity in Christ. See, that's the issue. It's not that you just fall into sin. It's not just that, that you are not being obedient. It is you are not living up to your identity. That's the issue. So look carefully where you walk, how you live. Pay attention. See, right there, we lost a lot of people. Because for many people, they get up and whatever happens, happens. Que sarah, sarah. Whatever comes their way. There's no plan. There's no purpose. And they are not looking carefully. They're not considering their life. They're not considering the fact that God has a purpose and a plan. So right there, many people are lost because they are not looking carefully. But for the believer, we're called to look carefully. What else does Paul tell us? He says, not as unwise, but as wise. He contrasts two ways of living. And really, there's only two ways of living, in Christ or out of, out of Christ. There's two categories of people, those who follow Jesus and those who don't. Those who will spend an eternity with him and those who won't. Two categories. But he draws from that and he says 
that you are not supposed to be unwise, but you are to be wise. The opposite of being wise here, it, it, it can be said foolish. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish like the world. Don't, don't come up with your own scheme. Don't come up with your own purposes. But be wise. And, and how do we be wise? Christians are wise when we make good use of our time. That's it in verse 16, right next to it. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. Okay, well, what does wise people do? Wise people make the best use of the time. The time that God has allotted you, the time that God has allotted me is is different, but yet whatever moments God has given you, he wants you to make good use of it. He don't want you to squander it. Did you know your life is a gift? You waking up today is, is a gift. See, we look past that all the time. We, we wake up in the morning, we think about what we're going to do, and so many of us, we never pause to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the fact that I got out of this bed. Thank you that I opened my eyes. Thank you that I got filling in my fingers and filling in my toes. Thank you, Lord, for being able just to just, just breathe this morning. Your life is a gift from God. So what you do with your life It is a matter of stewardship. Will you be faithful with what God has given you for the day, or will you be faithless, foolish? Making the best use of the time, but why? Why? Because the days are evil. What what does Paul mean? Is he saying that everything around us is evil? Not per se. I believe it's too forms of thought that he's going with here. When he said the days are evil, on one side, because Satan, the prince of the power of the air, he is orchestrating things in order to distract you and to draw you away from the goodness of God. He is setting up systems and mechanisms in order to keep you from pursuing with diligence and faithfulness God. So when he says the days are evil, he's talking about this world we live in. There's a bunch of foolishness going on, and it it wants to distract you from loving Jesus and depending upon him daily. Oh, just look at your timeline. Look at your Facebook. How much foolishness is on your Facebook timeline keeping you distracted from following Jesus? I mean, sometimes you don't even want to be distracted. You're faithful. You're, you're, you're handling business, and then you look at that timeline, and you're like, what in the world? What is going on? Did you see this? And all of a sudden, you're distracted. Because the next 10 minutes, you text the people, did you see what was on such and such page today? What's wrong with them? I can't believe they said that. What is they doing? And, and now you texting all day, and you're distracted. Because the days are evil. Hear what he's saying. He didn't say that the days are bad. He didn't say they're not good. Evil. There is a spirit of evil that is in the air because it is from Satan himself. And when we, when we play and pander and, and cater to Satan's knees, we are participating and falling into evil. That which does not honor God at all. Wickedness. So why do I need to pay attention to how I walk? How, why do I need to, to make good use of my time? Because when I, when I do not make good use of my time, I fall into this foolishness. I fall into evil. Paul says, don't walk like that. But then on the other side of it, he, when he says the days are evil, he's talking about an age. See, in this age, Satan is ruling and reigning. And Satan may have his say now. But beloved, believe me, the text tells us that this age is temporary. This age is passing away. That Satan's and all his foolishness and all his foulness and all his wickedness will be crushed when Jesus comes back and he, and he rules and he sets up his own kingdom and he will reign for an eternity. So what is he saying? Don't get caught up in this life because it's temporary. Well, I just got to have it now. And I just got to follow. And I, no, you don't. 
Because what you're pursuing is temporary. And if it's temporary, guess what? It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of time. These evil days. That's the text. Those two verses, right there. The sermon can be done right there. But, but it ain't. We, we, we still going. Because for the rest of our time this morning, we're going to look at, well, how? How do we make the best use of our time as Christians while we're here? How don't we waste our summer? When I say summer, I'm using it both literally and figuratively. I'm using it literally like there is a May, June, July, all like, like there's a real summer. You will have real vacation. You will have real time off from work, from school. You, you will have additional time and freedom in your schedule. So that, there's a real thing going on. So I say don't waste your summer. But figuratively, summer can mean any season or phase of your life. Season can be uh, uh, whether you're a child, whether you're a teenager, you're, you're a young adult, you're, you're middle-aged. You're a, uh, uh, summer represents where you are right now. It doesn't matter because God says wherever you are, be content. Don't waste your summer. Don't waste it. The list that I've been working through comes from a, a whole lot of resources and time management. Um, a couple of those resources that, that I personally use, one is, is Donald Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. He has a whole chapter in there on stewardship, the stewardship of time and money. Another book that I've used is called Do Hard Things, A Teenage Rebellion Against Low Expectations from Alex and Brett Harris. They're, they're, they're twins who chose not to just do easy things, even while they were young. Some principles come out of there. A, a new book out from Dan Dumas is called Live Smart, Preparing for the Future God's, God Wants for You. Another book that I use as a resource is called Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. But then ultimately, ultimately, my list comes from here, from the Word of God, because he gives us principle after principle after principle at how we are to live as Christians in this world. So with this in mind, the first point I would like for us to consider together this morning is don't waste your summer guarding. Don't waste your summer guarding. In our day, there is a movement of preppers. And a prepper is someone who is gathering resources and collecting stuff and preparing for for that, that day when the economic system falls, falls out, uh, nuclear war takes place, but they are preparing for the worst things to happen. And as, they, as these preppers prepare, they're gathering seeds, they're gathering food, they're gathering water, all these provisions that they would need in the event of an emergency or some type of worldwide failure and fall. But part of their gathering resources is they usually gather weapons in order to protect themselves and the resources from someone else coming in. Because what they understand is when things hit the fan and, and everything falls, that there will be some people out there who will want to rob and steal from you who have collected these resources, they want to guard their resources. Beloved, when it comes to time, 
we don't understand that time is a limited resource. And as you are walking through this life, you would be wise to guard your time. See, but time is limited. Time is precious. But before you could ever make good use of your time, you must realize just how precious time is. We don't, we, we don't really care about time. We just kind of go through life often not thinking about it until something happens or shakes us up. Use your time wisely by recognizing how little you really have. The first point I want to point, I want to walk through here is the fact that time is short. Time is short. Psalm 39, 4 through 5 says, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. What does the psalmist say? As you stand out in front of your home on a cold, brisk morning, and you, and you speak, and that fog, that vapor comes out of your mouth, the reality is that's, in comparison to eternity, that's the length of your life. Your life is but a breath. It may be a, a long breath. Maybe a short breath. But your life is but a breath. It is short. It is a small span of time. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around it, but when we look around us and people are dying and things traumatic are happening, realize and understand that time is short. It's too short to be wasted. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days. Why? That we may get a heart of wisdom. When you understand that you really don't have a lot of time, it's going to cause you to be a little bit more active. What about James, the fourth chapter, verse 14? He says, yeah, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Time is short. But not only is time short, time is passing. 1 John 2 and 17 says, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Think about that. No matter how long that breath of life that's in you is, it's going to come to an end one day. Because when I look back in like Genesis, and I see someone like Methuselah, Methuselah lived, what, 969 years? Okay, we like, oh, wow. He almost lived 1,000 years. Right, that, that's a long time. But guess what? Methuselah dead. He's been dead a long time. He had a long life, but he's gone. Understand, you wasting time, but you don't got long to live. You're not going to be here forever. I'm not going to be here forever. This is why we need to prepare ourselves right now for eternity. If, not, if, if you knew, if you knew right now, when you walked out of here and got into your car, you would die. If, if you knew right now that your life was over at 3 o'clock, would that put a different perspective on how you use these last moments? If, if, if you was going to die at 3 o'clock exactly, would you be taking a long nap? Would, would you say, well, I just want to rest my eyes? Would, would you be uh, cussing the person out next to you, going off on your family? Uh, would you be uh, having bitterness in your heart and anger and all these things? Uh, if you really understood how short your life was, we will have a completely different perspective on how we lived our life and how we treated one another. But when we begin to understand how short life is, like the text says, it gives us wisdom. It helps us to see what really matters. 
Some of us, our lives, we're stuck in ancillary things. They like, things don't matter, like, the color of stuff. Like, don't worry about the color of stuff. Do you have a house to live in? Like, no, but I got to have this kind of car. No, do you got four wheels that get you back and forth to work? Like, no, but I need this type of husband, this type of wife. No, do, do they love Jesus? And do they love you? No, but I got to have this kind of clothes. This guy, no, do you have something to put on your back? Do you have food on your table, uh, some food in the refrigerator, gas in your car? Does your, do, do, do your water work? Do, are your lights on? See, we get so caught up in the extras, we waste time chasing them. Unwise. That's why it's called foolishness. But not only is time short, time is passing, time is uncertain. Proverbs 27.1 says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. You talking about what you going to do tomorrow? Well, yeah, I'm just going to, I'll take care of that tomorrow. I'll go here tomorrow. Do you know Jesus talks about the farmer who was building up his barns bigger and bigger, in order to store more stuff. He, he was chasing stuff, and, and he wanted just to, to collect all this wealth and all this treasure, but yet <laughs> the parable says that, that God will say, you fool, do, do you know that tonight your soul will be required of you? See, you pursuing all this stuff, but you may be dead tonight, and we, we can't always put off till tomorrow. Some things we just need to do today. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Tell that person you love them. Tell that person you're sorry. Tell them I forgive you. Ask them, would you please forgive me? You Stop carrying around all this bitterness because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and can end up with a life of regret. Why? Because time lost cannot be regained. Listen to this riddle. Until I am measured, I am not known. Yet how you miss me when I have flown. What is that? Time. You will look up one day and say, what happened to my life? Look at all the time I've wasted when you're not walking in wisdom. You guard your summer not only because time is precious, you guard your summer because there are lesser, lesser pleasures that want to use you up. What do I mean? Paul talks about the days are evil. He's talking about the system that has been put in place to distract you, so you are always tempted to choose your glory over God's glory, and, and you begin to live what is called the sluggard's life, where it's all about you. You only want to do things when you're rewarded. You want to do things like sleep all day. Proverbs, the 26th chapter. Proverbs, the 26th chapter, beginning with verse 13. The slugger says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. What is he doing? He's making an excuse not to go outside and do something. Are you the type of person who is always making excuses why you can't do something? As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard is sleeping all day, lazy, don't want to get out of bed. Keeps hitting snooze on the alarm clock. Verse 15. The slugger buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. What does it mean? The slugger wants nice things, but the slugger don't want to do the work to get nice things. Verse 16. The slugger is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. You know, a sluggard, 
always got an answer. Won't listen. Always got to be their way. You can't instruct them. This world is set up for us to embrace that slugger mentality. Think about our youth. They're not called to excellence. They're not called to work hard. They're not called to read books. They're not, they're not called to share the gospel. If the world's not challenging them, who will? We must. We must hold everyone to a higher standard because God has called us to, to go above and beyond what this world deems as good. So I say, parents, this summer, place, please place boundaries on your children and give them healthy expectations. Don't let your child sleep all day. Don't let them play video games all day. Give them work. Work is good. Work. How do I know work is good? Because God said it was good before the fall. We're called to work, to do something, to get up. Put your clothes on, brush your teeth, wash your face, do your chores. But guess what? If we're calling them to do that, then we must do that too. We can't just come home from a long days of work and sit down and tell our children, I don't want to bother with you because I'm tired. We have to ask God for supernatural strength in order to dig in and press into our families. We can't be lazy either. And it's hard work. But guess what? God promises to give you what you need to accomplish the task he has given you to live out. Don't waste your summer doing nothing. Summer will be over before you know it. So we want to, we want to guard our time, but we also we want to use it. Don't waste your summer. Use it. What do we mean? Turn with me to Proverbs, the sixth chapter. Proverbs, the sixth chapter. We're going to look at verses 6 through 11. This summer, make a plan. There's a saying, plan your work, then work the plan. Don't just go through summer just kind of aimlessly, like whatever happens, happens. No, no. Make a plan on what you're going to do. Set some goals. Be a self-starter. The Bible, on the opposite end of the sluggard, in Proverbs, he gives us the ant. We can learn a lot from the ant. Proverbs, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse six, it says, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Uh, Look, lazy, pay attention. It says, without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. What is he saying? Uh, An ant doesn't always have to be told what to do. We shouldn't always have to be told what to do. We should seek out God's will for our life and pay attention to what he's saying to us, but we have to be self-starters. How long will you lie there, O slugger? When when will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. What is he saying? You want to sleep all day? You want to do nothing? You just want to sit there? Then don't look to prosper. Because a lazy life leads to poverty. So make a plan. Not only make a plan, but the the way you make a plan is helpful. You make a plan, and then you make a schedule for your plan. I'm scaring a whole lot of people here. You don't have have to get into the details. You you got nerdy people like me who like this stuff that that can help you, but we got to do it. Why? Because we want to make the best use of our time. 
on your schedule, schedule your daily activities or your chores. What do you need to do? What do your children need to do? Schedule some time for your family. But this is what we're not good at. This is, this is, what, this is an area of my life that I really have to work on even more. Schedule some margin to allow others into your life. You can't always be busy and be a minister of the gospel. At some point, you have to have some time for someone else besides yourself. So what do we do? In your bulletin, look at your bulletins. Now my students, we do this every Sunday now. Every Sunday we come in, and the first thing we do, pull out your schedule. What are you going to do this week? What are you going to do this week? When are you going to do it? Because if you, if you don't make a plan, you won't, you won't do the work. You'll just kind of, well, I, I'll do it later. Well, I'll do it later. And stuff comes up. But when you have a schedule, you are actually saying, I am committing to doing this at this time. Does it have to be rigid? No, it doesn't have to be rigid at all. Say, say, say yes, I want to sleep. Okay, you want to sleep? Schedule it. Put what time you're going to go to sleep and what time you're going to get up. Why? So you don't lay there all day. If you want to play the Xbox, schedule it. Why? I start at this time and I finish that. A schedule will help move your day along so you're just not stuck all day watching Netflix season six of whatever. Just as I give this to the students to do, Guess what I'm giving it this morning? To you. Do this. If you need help, check with one of the students. They know what to do. After you make the schedule, you come up with your checklist. I didn't bring my checklist up here. One of my students. Hold up your checklist. Y'all got one of y'all's checklists with y'all? Put y'all on front. Tyler got his. Look at him. He got it. He has his checklist. And then just begin working through your checklist. What are some other things we can do? For this summer, do something hard. Do something hard. Like finish a project that you started two years ago. Just like finish it. Like, I, I'm going to do this this summer. And I'm going to finish. Pick a project. Get a summer job. Take a family vacation. Do a staycation. Read a book. Please. Readers are leaders. Read a book. Go for a walk. Do things that's conducive to your family. You know what your family really enjoys. And have your family do things that they enjoy, not just the stuff you enjoy. All right? Don't, don't plan it where you're just doing what you want. Aren't you guys having fun? Everyone's like. Talk about it as a family. Guard it, use it. But also, don't waste your summer. Stay connected. In the summer, it's so easy for us to sleep in a little longer, go to work a little later. But, but with that, one of the, the cries that we always say in spending time with God is, I don't have time. But guess what? You're about to have a lot more of it. Why don't you make a plan and schedule some devotion time with God right now? Stay connected. Connect with God. Spend time reading the word, reading the scriptures. Spend time in prayer. Spend time meditating on the goodness of God. If you spend time meditating on the goodness of God Saturday night and Sunday morning, when you walk into here, the, the, the choir won't have to sing a sweet song in order to get you pumped up because God has already been moving in your heart. Don't just stay connected with God. Connect with each other. 
The summer is a great time for us to, to let people in our lives, to let folks over our house, to, to, to do dinner and, and barbecues and, and have water gun fights and do wonderful things with the people of God to show one another that we're really not lames. We're not boring. We're exciting. And it's good to be with each other. Connect with each other, but also connect with the church. There's things that are going on this entire summer. Be a part of it. Don't just say, well, I'll come on Sunday. No, sacrifice your time. Give your time. Be a part of what's going on. And, and when you go on vacation, don't, now I'm being real. When you, when you go on vacation, it's a tendency. I, I got this pot of cash that I'm taking on vacation with me. But when you go on vacation, don't forget to leave your tithe because we're connected to the church. Because the church has a budget in May, June, July, and August, and we're all a part of this. So it's not just like you're giving money to the church. You're giving money to ministry because we still got to do BBS, don't we? And we still have C groups, don't we? Stay connected. Guard it, use it, stay connected. But lastly, lastly, don't waste your summer. Because you will give an account for it. 2 Corinthians 5.10 tells us, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. There's coming a day where you're going to have to give an account for everything. You're going to have to give an account for where you went, what you looked at, what you said, but you're going to have to give an account for how you spent your time. What did you do with your time when you were on earth? Did you spend your time glorifying my name? Did you spend your time making much about me or making much about yourself? He's going to ask, what did you spend your time doing? Because where we spend the most of our time, that's where we spend most of our love. The thing that we give our money and time to is the thing that we worship most. If we give our time and money to our job, then guess what we love most? God is saying we have to give an account for what we do or what we don't do. Because in Luke, we see the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus was the, this, poor, this poor man who who didn't have anything in this life. He, he had hard times, and a rich man had everything. But the difference was that the poor man knew Jesus. And when the poor man died, he went to, into Abraham's bosom. He went into the presence of God. But the rich man, because he had everything that he wanted, his own way, and he never surrendered his life to Jesus, he was cast into hell, separated from God. And in hell, he, he looks up to Abraham. He said, would you please just place just a little water on my tongue? Would you please go back and tell my family about this place? But what does Abraham say? He says, no, they have Moses and the prophets. What? They have the scriptures to tell them. See, at that point, it's too late for you to make a decision for Christ. You have one life. You have one chance. You have one opportunity to confess the name of Jesus. See, there's no such place as purgatory, and someone can pray you out of uh, uh, it's appointed unto man to die once, and then the judgment. You have one life. You have one shot. This is why we can't waste, we can't waste our lives partying and, and, and just having fun and having pleasure, doing what we want, and not honoring Christ. When our life is completely about what I want to do, I am not honoring Jesus. And when my life is all about myself, on this side of glory, then when it's time for me to die, God is going to give me exactly what I wanted, myself, not himself. Why should we care about not wasting time? We should care about not wasting time because it's part of the all things. And all things, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all 
for the glory of God. We care because it's part of the all things. And it matters because there are no second chances. There's only, in eternity, there's only regret and salvation. Those who rejected Jesus will regret for eternity. They will remember the moment, the day, the hour when they heard about the good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ to rescue sinners and then rejecting that. But yet, on the other side, there will be salvation, those who will be in the presence of God forever, enjoying him. We don't waste time because we serve a God who cares about time. God has been caring about time ever since he said, let there be. See, before let there be, there was just void, there was eternity, and God said, let there be. When he said that, he spoke into existence the time-space continuum. He, he spoke in the, the heavens and, and the stars and, and this universe. He spoke that in. He cares about time. Because in time, he was going to fulfill a promise that he would send one that would redeem mankind from their sins. God has been caring about time since Galatians 4 in the fullness of time that God sent his son, Jesus Christ. God cares about time, and he's specific about time. We see God being concerned about time when he decided to take off his glory and clothe himself in humanity. He was concerned about time. God was concerned about time when he was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. God was concerned about time when this this child, Jesus Christ, was was growing up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. God was concerned about time because there were specific moments that that Jesus blessed someone. He was concerned about time when Jesus cast out demons. He was concerned about time when he made the lame walk and the blind see. He was concerned about time when he walked on water, demonstrating his superiority to all of creation. He was concerned about time when he sat on Calvary's cross. He was concerned about time. Because as he sat there bearing the weight of sin, he says it's been long enough to cover Jerry. It's been long enough to cover you, D. It's, it's been long enough to cover you, Sister Flew. It's, it's been long enough to, to cover you. And he sat on Calvary's cross the exact amount of time needed to atone for your sins. And in his atoning for your sins, he took away your sin, buried them in the grave. And he was concerned about time. Because the scriptures declare that on the third day that he would rise, he made sure that he hit that alarm clock and he rose up on that third day with all power in his hand at the right time. We care about time because God cares about time. And he looked down, eternity passed, and he says, I'm giving my son for you at the right time. Beloved, the scriptures go on to declare that today is the day of salvation. And Jesus can be your savior today at this time when you repent of your sin and you say, I'm tired of living for myself. I will no longer live for myself. I will live for your your glory. I believe who Jesus said he was. I believe he did what he said he did. And I believe that he is in heaven right now, interceding for those who are his. Jesus was concerned about time. That's why we are. We know we serve an on-time God. So many times in my life, so many times in your life, just when we thought it was over, God showed up in the nick of time. I was thinking about how God shows up in the nick of time. Like, why do they use that word nick? Well, what is a nick? But, and I, and I, I see, I'm a nerd like that. I got to know what it means. But a nick of time, it means the precise moment where it should be. So when God 
was doing a work on your behalf. When he was calling you out of darkness and bringing you into the marvelous light, he did it in the nick of time. He, he didn't wait too long, but he didn't do it too early. He did it in the, the nick of time, that, that moment where it had to be in order for you to get it. You got that? See, because sometimes stuff go over our head, but in the nick of time, I mean, I was at the right place, at the right time, with the right people, and I heard the right word that saved me at the right moment. That's the nick of time, and Jesus is all about the nick of time in your life. He wants to rescue you. He wants to deliver you. You must surrender to him. And he will save you in the nick of time. Because we serve an on-time God. Walk wisely. Use your time well. Understand the will of God. Followers of Jesus must intentionally make good use of the time God has given them because each day is an opportunity to bring glory to God. God cares how we use our time. Don't waste your summer. Let us pray.